We're starting a brand new series today that we're calling Bold. Bold. And I want to talk to you today about bold vision. I want to talk to you about bold vision. You know, Jesus had a bold vision. Jesus was the Son of God in the form of a man. But the vision that he had was not for himself. It was for the world. And I want you to think about what that means. It was for a world full of broken people. It was for a world that had become a great mess. It was for a world where mistakes are common. It was for a world where people wanted nothing to do with God. It was for a world of people that were selfish. It's for our world. And his vision was more than just for the world. His vision is for you. It's for me. It's for us. It's a vision that's not blinded by our shortcomings. It's a great vision. And Jesus had a bold vision. And the scripture tells us that as Jesus was in this world, so are we. So if Jesus had a bold vision, what should that vision look like for us as a church? What should that vision look like for us in our individual lives? I guarantee you that God wants you and I, wants us as a church to believe and, and, and have greater vision with boldness. Now, I know for some of us, we, we're of the opinion, oh, well, I'm shy. You know, I'm timid by nature. Proverbs 28.1 says that the righteous, somebody say, that's me. It says the righteous are as bold as a lion. See, there's something within you and I waiting to be discovered, waiting to be unleashed, waiting to be tapped into. And it requires for us as people, as followers of Christ, as people seeking after God to take bolder steps. And so in this series, we're going to be casting vision and laying out the groundwork for what God is calling us to do, not just as a church, but as God's people. And let me just be very direct and plain about this. I've said this from day one, and I'm going to declare it again. We believe that the vision that God has given us here at Church at the Bridge is not for these four walls. We believe that God has given us a vision to take on an entire city. An entire city. We believe that if God says in his word that we are the light of the world, that we are the salt of the earth, that we are change agents in a world that needs change, then why not us? Why not now? Why not you? Why not me? Now, I get it. For some of us, we hear that and we go, man, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that sounds impossible. Can I tell you, God is a specialist in the area of impossible. You're going to see today how we can expand our vision. You know, daily we pray and we believe for 30,893 lives. We believe, we pray for 30,893 lives. Every single day we stand before God and we thank him for 30,893 lives coming to Christ. We thank God for 30,893 lives changed. We thank God for the families that it represents, the communities that it represents, the people that it represents, the legacy and generations to come that it represents. We believe that with all our heart. And so for the last 10 plus years, we have been diligent about engaging in our community, 
about taking steps into our community. We believe that hell can be plundered. It is being plundered. And we believe that 30,893 people are overpopulating heaven. We envision the gospel going forward, not just in power, declared powerfully, but we believe that it must be in demonstration. We believe that when we step out and we engage our community and we undertake these events and we serve people in different ways, all the things that we do, we believe that God is opening doors. And can I tell you that some of you know that to be true because you're the proof of it? You're the proof of it? And so we have a bold vision. And at this moment, some of us are struggling to believe that and to wrap our heads around a vision I mean, we find it hard to envision a church taking on a whole city. But my friend, let me encourage you not to let the size of what God has called us to be to become the reason why you minimize the size of your trust in God. Don't minimize the size of your trust in God. And I'm going to show you from Scripture that when God goes after people, he goes after entire cities. He claims territory. He's looking to impact nations. But it all starts with people. And so, lest you think I'm giving you an opinion, a couple of weeks ago we were looking at a portion of Scripture in the book of Luke where Jesus tells his disciples, hey guys, pack it up. Let's get in the boat. We've been doing some good work here, but now we got to go somewhere else. Let's get in this boat. We're going to the other side. And they get in this boat, and they're going on the other side. And the disciples, as we learned, they thought they were going on a cruise ship. They thought it was Royal Caribbean, right? It's going to be smooth sailing, lobster, and all this other stuff. And they're on this cruise, and all of a sudden, things go wrong. Things go wrong. But in the midst of that, the disciples lost sight. They became, they, they became uh, uh, blinded by the storm, by their emotions, by the challenges. And as such, they were about to miss out on what Jesus had intended to do on the other side. On the other side was a man who was demon-possessed. On the other side was a city that was terrorized by the destructive nature of this man. On the other side was a community that many people did not want to go to. Kind of sounds like some of the cities that we've grown up in, some of the places that we frequent, kind of sounds like even the reputation that this city has held in the past. But I'm telling you that God is a specialist in the dark. I'm telling you that the light of the world is meant for dark places. And I am telling you and I am declaring to you that Jesus is still in the business of restoring and transforming and we believe the very best for this city and beyond. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that. Now, I know for some of us, we're still like, I'm trying to wrap my head around a city. That sounds good. I'm going to show you how we do that. The Bible says that when Jesus arrives on the other side with the disciples, that he's, he encounters this demonically possessed man. And this man had a, 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 a treacherous Reputation. You see, this guy would frequent dead places where the dead were and in caves, and he would prowl around howling and, and, and terrorizing people, and they tried to restrain him with chains, and he broke them. They tried to confine him to certain spaces, and they couldn't. And so this city was in fear, and this guy would walk around cutting himself, harming himself, and howling, and, and people were just like, oh, my God, just... This is, this is what we have to settle for. That, you know, stay away from him, but we'll live here because we can't go anywhere else. And so they were stuck, and Jesus shows up. 
And he encounters this man and he delivers him. But I submit to you, as we'll see in the scripture, that Jesus was not just in the business of delivering a person. He had bigger intentions in mind. Luke chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 tells us that now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him, meaning Jesus, that he might be with him. In other words, Jesus, you've delivered me. I want to go where you're going. I want to I want to frequent where you're frequenting. I want to I want to follow you wherever you're you're, you're taking people. I want to go with you. But Jesus sent him away, the scripture says, saying, return, say this with me, to your own house. Go back to your own house. For a reason. He wasn't rejecting him. He says, tell what great things God has done for you. Let me just remind us all. That we all have one of those stories. What God has done for you. How God has brought you through. How God has helped you. How God has delivered you. How God has come through and made a way where there was no way. We all have that story. Some of us are oblivious to it. We think that we did it by our own strength. But I submit to you, you can't do it on your own. We're not that strong. We're not built that way. But God is. So it goes on to say that he went his way, and watch this, he proclaimed throughout the whole city. Say the whole city. He went throughout the whole city. He didn't just go here and say, hey, mom, let me tell you a cool story. He said, no, hey, let, 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 me, let me come over here where you are at, and let me squeeze in with you and move out my way, girl. You all in my way. Let me come in here and tell you. And let me tell you, and let me tell you, he goes all around seeking people. I'm sorry about that, sweetheart. That was for the gospel's sake. You'll be all right. He gets in all around all these people, and he's telling all these people, look at what God did. Look at what Jesus did for me. Look how he helped me. Look how he restored me. He tells the whole city the great things that Jesus had done for him. And what this demonstrates to us, friends, is this, that Jesus was intent on delivering a man because he was determined to deliver an entire city. He said, I know how to reach this entire city. Let me start with one. Let me help one. Let me reach one. This teaches us a couple of things. Friends, if we're going to have a bold, we're going to take bold steps. If we're going to expand our vision and have bolder vision, vision that goes past storms that we encounter, vision that sees past challenges that present themselves as we're going where Jesus is calling us to in our personal lives, in our marriages, in our homes, but also as a church. Look. I'll be honest with you, we have no interest in just being another church in the city of Newburgh. What's the point of just being a place where we can just gather on Sunday and sing some songs and give an offering and, and say hi to some people and just keep living with our lives? There's no impact in that recipe. No, we're interested in being change agents. We're interested in going to places where other people don't want to go. We're interested in taking on problems that nobody wants to solve and many want to ignore. 
So if we're, gonna ha- if we're going to have bold vision, if we're going to take bold steps, we must take bold individual steps first. Hear where I'm coming from with this. It's been said that the journey of a thousand miles begins. Oh, you, you've heard that quote before. But here's what that quote doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us that the journey is completed by the next step. See, if all we do is just start at step one, I'm saved. Praise God. You accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if that's all you know and that's all you want and that's where you're comfortable, friend, you're saved and stuck. Because you and I were created for more. We have been deployed. We have been activated. Yeah, we're meant for a purpose. And so, see, we can't start at step one and stay at step one because there's no hope in seeing people far from Jesus draw near to him with that approach. That recipe just doesn't cook. You ain't cooking nothing with that. It doesn't work. And this is where the disciples went wrong. Man, they just wanted a, 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 a one-day cruise. They wanted to just chill and, you know, kind of ride the waves in peace. Kind of sounds like what Christianity is being deduced to today. Hey, if the shoe fits, please don't wear it. Change it. Just being real. But... They were interested on just a boat ride. That's all they were focused on while Jesus was focused on the next step. We got to get to the other side. We got to get to this guy. They don't have the vision for it. And as I said, on the other side was this man who was bound by vices of Satan. There were people who were terrorized by the havoc that he was creating. There was a city that many people stayed away from. And this was the next step for them. If you're comfortable in your Christianity, may I submit to you, you're in the middle of a storm and you don't know it. Comfort is a con. We're not built. We're not created. We're not called by God into comfort. Now, he comforts us. I've heard it said that ships... um, while, while ships can be uh, uh, in a dock, in a bay, they weren't created to stay there. They were created to weather waves and storms. They're meant to be in, 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 out there in the great unknown. And we have to adopt that mindset. We have to accept the fact that God has not called us to comfort. He's commissioned us to be change agents. We're called to step out. Amen. And so some of us, we still doubt this vision because, after all, I mean, Jesus was the guy who could turn a whole city around. And while there's some truth to that statement, friend, it's not the whole truth. See, we know this because Jesus touched one man, knowing that one man would eventually touch many. He touched many. For us, we're called to do the same, but the question is, how do we do that? How do we do that? You know, it's interesting. There's a man in the Bible named Paul who was an apostle. He became an apostle. But Paul's credentials, he tells us in the scriptures, he says, here's my credentials. I'm the chief of all sinners. 
I've dropped the ball more than many of you is what he says. Friend, welcome to the club. We all dropped the ball. But this guy Paul knew something. You see, he had an encounter with Jesus and he feels this strong sense, this calling to, to share, just like this man, what Jesus had done in his life. And so one day, Paul has a dream. And in this dream, he, he gets a vision from God. And it's a man from a place called Macedonia, which was the, no, it was the, the known world of that time. It was beyond the, the, the circumference of where he was at. And they were, it, it was a place that many people would refer to today as unchurched. Right? They probably heard about Jesus, but nobody was seeking Jesus. Uh, they, there was nobody really going there. And Paul gets this dream, and in this dream, a Macedonian man says to him, come, come over to us. Come help us. Come here. And Paul immediately discerns the Lord is leading us to go to Macedonia. When he gets to Macedonia, he finds himself in a small Roman uh, town, a city called Philippi. And I want you to see the instruction, how God led him to reach an entire city, to infiltrate an entire empire. Acts chapter 16, verse 13 says this, And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. See, there were religious people there. They just didn't know the truth. And watch what the strategy was. And we what? We sat down and we did what? Spoke to the women met there. Look at the strategy. Sit and speak with someone. I remember a story I heard once of a little girl who was with her dad and they were, it was right around the holiday season, Christmas time and he's rushing with his daughter like many of us do. We wait till December 24th to go shopping. You know what I'm talking about fellas, right? And so he's dragging his daughter, you know, all through this mall, and it, it's packed. And she's crying, ah, Daddy, ah. and he's like, Tina, baby, why are you crying, baby? Tina, why are you crying? He's just dragging her around. And then finally she just has this moment where she has an all-blown-out fit. Ah, everybody's looking around, and, 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 and he stops, and he gets on his knees, and he says, Tina, baby, why are you crying? And as he's looking her in the eye, he realizes that there's a bunch of people bumping into her. Their bags are banging her upside the head. And he realizes, oh, this is why she's crying. Friend, what if you and I took the time to sit down and speak to people at their level, to look them in the eye and understand their story and hear their hurts and connect with them as opposed to preaching at them? Why not sit with them and talk with them? Why not meet somebody where they're at? It's how Jesus did it. What makes us any different? What God wanted to do in the entire world, the beginnings of the, the gospel spreading started with Christ followers sitting down and speaking to people kind of looks like this. Hey, man. What's up, brother? What's your name, man? Man, I'm Jose, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you, man. Where you from, man? You can't tell me that. He must be wanted. 
Oh, oh, you are wanted. Well, tell me your story, brother. Yeah. Yeah, he's running. <laughs> he's running. You're on the run, man. But tell me, man. If you could have God do anything in your life, what would that be? Friends, not once did I spit the Bible out at him. Let's just talk. What's your story? Here's my story. You know, we think like we have to have this picture-perfect presentation on the gospel. Tell people what God's doing in your life. Tell them the good, the bad, and the ugly. And as we connect with people and relate to people, what is possible is a relationship with Jesus. Just talk to people. Listen to people. Connect with people. I guarantee you, as we take that approach, we'll see great moves of God. Amen. Come on and give God some praise. Don't minimize what's possible by sitting with people and taking an interest and knowing them and understanding them. Because those are the doors that Jesus will use to touch their lives and to lead them to a new life. The second point I want to leave you with here in terms of taking bold steps and having a bolder vision. To grow in, in boldness with this vision that God has given us for our personal lives. But also here as a church is that we must continue to take a second look. We must continually take a second look. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. There came a day where Jesus encountered a man, a group of people. They brought him this guy from a, a city called Bethsaida, and this guy was blind. And they brought him so that Jesus would open his eyes. The Bible says that Jesus takes this man out of Bethsaida, right? And check this out, how God works. Spits in his eyes. <laughs> and then he prays for him. Sounds nasty, right? Ain't nobody spitting in my eyes. Right? I, know, I know how you're thinking. Some of you need to get that hood out of you. Because you're thinking, you're thinking a different way. Stop. But Jesus spit in his eyes for a reason. You see, to spit at someone in those days was to pronounce a curse. It was the equivalent of cursing them. Jesus wasn't cursing this man, but he was cursing his blindness. So he prays for him, and then Jesus says, what do you see? And the guy says, I don't know if that's people. It kind of looks like trees. And Jesus says, let me pray for you again. So he prays for him, and the man miraculously sees. I feel like we as God's people and we here at Church at the Bridge are in one of these places where Jesus is saying, look again. Look again. Take a, take, a, take a deeper look. Go a little bit further than what you see. Can I tell you one thing that I know to be true about many Christians? It's this, that we tend to look at people as a lump. Here's what I mean. We look at the whole, and we forget that the whole lump is made up of small granular grains. That there's more to communities, there's more to issues, there's more to challenges than what we're told and what we see. That we have to dig into the nitty gritty. We have to get into the midst of those things and really understand what's going on. 
And one of the reasons why our vision becomes distorted and we can't step out in boldness to what God is calling us to is because we see people instead of God's purposes. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Jesus is teaching a crowd, and all of a sudden some church folk show up, some religious folk. Some, they were called Pharisees. And as he's teaching and connecting with these people, he's telling them about the kingdom of God. And these religious people come, and they say, hey, Jesus. And they toss this woman in the middle of the, the circle where he's teaching, and they shame her. And they go, this woman was caught in adultery. In the very act. What were they doing there? Anyway. In the very act. Let's just keep moving. Let's just, don't, don't get distracted by that. In the very act. The law says that we should, we're supposed to stone her. Now, you're the son of God, supposedly. So, as God's son, what do you have to say? The Bible says that Jesus goes silent. And they're pressing him. Jesus, the law says this. What are you saying? They're pressing him and praying. Everybody's watching. And this woman is in the middle, shamed, condemned, torn down, beat down. Everybody's glaring at her, looking down on her. And the Bible says that Jesus, by implication, we see this in the scripture. You'll see that in a moment. He gets down kind of like on a knee. And he begins to write something in the ground, in the dirt. We don't know what. But I imagine that there comes a point where Jesus draws a line in the sand. Because they're pressing him and pressing him, and he's not responding to them. But when he does respond, the answer is unequivocally life-changing. Not just for this woman, but for everyone else. So I imagine he draws this line in the sand, and he says to them, whoever among you is without sin... You cast the first stone. And at that moment, the Bible says that each one of those Pharisees begin to drop their stones. But here's what's interesting. The rest of the crowd leaves too. Why? Because, friends, none of us are exempt from mistakes. Can I encourage you with a bit of truth that we have to remember? None of us sit so high in the kingdom of God that we can look down on anyone. And before we start judging people because of their behavior, because of the conditions that they live in, because of the challenges that they're facing, because of the cyclical uh, uh, mindsets that they're stuck in, that they grew up with, if we just look at people based on issues and problems, we will miss God's heart because that's who God is wants that's who God wants we're not called to be a resort friends we're called to be a hospital this is an emergency room and let me assure you of this don't go by what you see take a second look because some of us are bleeding some of us we're holding on for dear life some of us oh we're healing some of us we're doing a lot better, but guess what? Like a hospital room, like an emergency room, it's comprised of people hurting, people struggling, people bleeding. 
people healed. Why? Because that's the, that's the space where God operates and God brings change. Let me encourage you to take a second look before you judge somebody. Let me encourage you to look at someone past their behavior. Let me encourage you to not look at someone because they don't speak like you. They don't believe like you. They don't act like you. They don't go to church like you. They don't read the Bible like you. Don't judge them. Take a second look. Because that can be the very next person that God uses to change an entire city. See, the Pharisees saw an adulterer. Jesus saw a woman in need of a savior. He saw what they couldn't see. He saw what she couldn't see. He saw her brokenness. He saw her shame, but he also saw her value. And friends, let me tell you something. There is not one person that exists on this earth that doesn't have value. Everyone has value in the kingdom of God. And it's for that reason that we have to take a second look. And so... Man, I have, there are people that say to me, and I won't mention people or entities or names, but why are you so bent on making a difference in the city of Newburgh? Can I tell you why we're committed to that and beyond this region? Because God cares. Because the love of God is not for people that got it together. It is for them too. But last time I checked, nobody has it together. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's for everyone. And therefore, we should have eyes for everyone. Yeah, we should. See, the second look forces us to see past ourselves. It forces us to see past people's sinful nature. It forces us to embrace people and help lift their heads. And just like Jesus did for a broken woman, it forces us to not condemn them and to actually see them. I've said this here before. There are two types of people in this world. There are people who when they walk in, wherever they go, they, here's what they announce. Here I am. But then there's people with the heart of God that when they walk into a room, here's what they announce without saying a word. There you are. There you are. See, we need to take a second look. The last point that I want to leave you with here is that if we're going to be bold, if we're going to take bolder steps, and we're going to develop a bolder vision in our personal lives, but as the church of Jesus Christ commissioned to this region. <laughs> we must stay fixed on the vision and flexible on how God gets us there. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Jesus gave the disciples a fixed destination. Going to the other side. Along the way, their vision gets blurred because of circumstances outside their control. 
a storm, wind, waves. The problem is that the disciples were fixed on cruising in comfort. And when that didn't happen, they freaked out. They panicked. As a matter of fact, they questioned if Jesus even loved them and cared for them. That's how distorted their vision became. And so they lost sight of the process. But here's the thing. If you study that out, and I touched on this a few weeks ago, Jesus turns to them after calming the storm and he says, do you still have no faith? In other words, what you were supposed to handle this, not me. You mean to tell me you still don't get this? That you could have spoken to the wind and the waves? Did I not tell you that if you have faith like a mustard seed and you tell this mountain to move, that you could actually speak and my power would respond? So they missed it. They became inflexible in the midst of a challenge. Well, can I tell you that here we are 10 years into this, and we can't keep going the way we've done things before. We got to flex. We got to be moldable in the potter's hands. We got to allow God to do something different. We have to be willing to shift and move, dip, come up here, do this, do that. The city of Newburgh is rapidly changing. It is rapidly changing. And let me tell you, I, it, it blows my mind because I've never realized who's watching. So I was just away last week. Pastor Nett was in Fort Lauderdale doing some ministry work with some women and leaders and all that. And I went down with her to Florida and then I shot up to... John's Island, South Carolina, where I got together with 15 pastors from all over the East Coast, up and down the East Coast. But the reason why I was called, I wasn't expecting this call, I was called was because a, a good friend of mine who, who, passed, who, who leads a whole entire church planning network all over the country says, Jose, we'd like for you to come down and connect with these pastors and help resource these pastors who are functioning in an urban context. I said, Pastor Greg, I know nothing about that. He says, what are you talking about? I said, what do you mean you don't know anything about that? You see, the belief amongst the majority of the churches that churches that operate in an urban context such as the one that we're in are not sustainable. They can't make it. They don't have the resources. They, they, they can't function. And he says to me, Jose, you guys have been doing this for 10 years. He says, there's a story that you guys have to share. There's experiences that you guys have as a church that people need. You know what that did for me in that moment? I said, oh, I got I to gotta flex here. <laughs> Not like this. I mean, like, like you know, like, I got I to, gotta, I gotta, wait, I, all right. So end up going down there, and when I tell you, look, I, I'm, I grew up in the hood. I grew up in the hood, but I didn't know that there were pastors that could be hood. <laughs> like, when I tell you some of these dudes were hood, and, they're, and they're, man, they're eloquent with the word, but they were hood. And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking, and I'm listening, I'm hearing their challenges, 
I'm hearing the impossibilities that some of them seem to be facing. And I just began to share with them what you've been doing all these years. How you've engaged the community. How we as a people value one another and help build each other and resource each other and be there for each other. And how we dare to step out into the community. And it was like God began to open up a door there because all of a sudden I'll be back there next month with another group of 15 guys. But now they're coming from different parts of the country. And here's what we're starting to talk about. We're starting to talk about establishing a church planners network that resources ministries in urban communities. To help pastors see, man, we're not just called to preach, man. No, we're called to step into communities. When we started as a ministry, we had no resources, or so we thought. But what we did have was plenty of opportunities. And let me tell you something that you have in your personal life and we have as the church of Jesus Christ. There's always an opportunity for the light to shine. All we've done throughout these years is see a gap and say, we can fill that gap. Kids don't feel safe on October 31st going out into the community. Why? Because there's no lighting. Okay, let's find a place where we can give them some light, get these kids out, give them some candy, and at the same time give them the gospel and engage with these people. Wait. So there's a bunch of people that provide food. That's great. But you mean to tell me that all these people get is come in, there's a plate, there's a door, and see you and come back next month? Where's the honor and the dignity, the humanity that we honor and that we esteem in that? So we'll create something different. Let's create a fine dining experience that we'll call friends and family where we don't have to know you for, for you to be a friend and family because God loves you right where you are. Now, listen, we've done this throughout the years, and then there's different events that we've done and different things that we do consistently. But now we have to flex again. Now we're adding other elements to friends and family. The way you've seen it will not be the same going forward. Because now we're going to begin to resource people in a different way. Give them some things that they don't get. The way we engage community has to evolve. Can I tell you that oftentimes, Christians, here's what we're guilty of. When we think about making an impact, we think about only poor people. Can I tell you what's happening in the city of Newburgh? You have a whole population of people coming up that are young business professionals. How will we engage them? How will we serve them? Get ready for Love Our City. You have no idea what God, where God's leading us. This year is going to be bigger and better. Let me tell you something else that's happening in our community. Our community, this city is now comprised of over 65% Hispanics. That are only Spanish speaking. The majority of them are only Spanish speaking. Can I tell you that some of them come to this church... And they listen and they get bits and pieces. Some of them, their family members come in. Here's what they say to me. Just had this conversation two weeks. Are we ever going to do a Spanish service? 
Got to be flexible. We're going to figure this out. Do you know that we have a Spanish connect group where they, they get together and they, they, they take my notes? You know what my problem is? And this is where I got to be flexible. I speak Spanish, but I think in English. So I'm constantly translating. It drives me nuts. For all I know, the pastor for the Spanish department is in there already. We got to be flexible. You see, friends, we can't approach church. We can't approach community. And we can't put God in a box. We have to stay fixed on the vision. The vision is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world bringing solutions to people through the revelation of the gospel, resourcing them and equipping them, teaching them their identity, enlightening them to the wisdom of God, showing them the ways of God, modeling it and walking along with people. But at the same time, that's the vision. But how God gets us there, we got to be flexible. I don't want to put God in a box. I've done that already. I've done that. So we're going to continue to take bold steps. But if you're going to take bold steps, it requires bold vision that refuses to be limited by circumstances. I want to dare you to do something with us as we stand here and come to a close. I want you to do something with me. This is not super spiritual. It's actually very practical. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes. And I want you to just dare to imagine what this church could look like in taking on an entire city. What do you see? What impact do you see? What things do you see going on? What do you see God using you to do? You see, friends, we got to stretch our vision. We got to embolden this vision because I'm telling you, God has given us a city, and we're taking it. These next 10 years and beyond, I'm telling you, this is not, this is, we're starting in, in the city of Newburgh. But this is going to go way beyond. Let's dare to dream big. Amen? Come on and give God some praise. <laughs> Father, today we come to you. I'm reminded of Isaiah 64, 8, which says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. All of us, we are the work of your hand. See, God works where there's flexibility. God, use us. You're the potter. We're the clay. And we're here for a purpose. We're not here to play church. We're not here to be gathered just in a space. No, Lord. We are a people on a mission deployed for a purpose. To see dead things come to life. To see dry places be watered. To see broken homes restored. To see families thriving. To see people prospering. To see change occur. Because we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth, and we will go. We thank you for that privilege, Lord. We take it seriously, Father. 
Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.